Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so most smart. of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. I remember you saying... Roll the tape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, even that's unreliable these days. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, Eyewitness Accounts. What is it that drives us to think that someone who says they saw something is accurate in what they said? Visual perception is one of the primary pathways of understanding what's going on in the world around us. And we tend to trust our own visual perceptions, which is why optical illusions are such a fun thing to consider because we see things that really are different than what's really in front of us, right? If we look from a different perspective or whatever, there's a self-confidence in our visual perception that understandably generalizes that we have somebody else, especially if they're speaking with a great deal of confidence that they saw something happen. Well, we think, well, goodness, when I speak with that level of confidence or something I saw happen, I'm pretty sure it happened. And particularly because people will say, I remember this vividly. And both of those parts matter, the I remember this and then the vividly. The first part of this gets to an interesting distinction that gets made in the memory literature that's called the remember-no distinction. When I recall some event from my past, which in psychology experiments tends to be the really boring event of having heard a list of words before in the past, but in autobiographical memory tends to be some much more interesting event, there are times where you say, do you know this particular person? I actually have a friend who we both moved to Austin at roughly the same time from the same city and had lots of people we knew in common, but we're fairly certain we'd never met before getting to Austin, only to have someone produce a photo of the two of us at a party <laughs> together in New, York, in New York, talking to each other. Yeah. So there's no recollection of something. One way you might know something is you have a real experience of recalling the event itself. But there are also times where I don't get any vivid sense of recalling something, but I know I've seen it before. Yeah. In those situations, it's, do you remember this? Well, I don't have a specific recollection of it, but I know I saw it. And that's a little bit less convincing. So when somebody says, I specifically remember this, they are giving you a remember judgment rather than a, I know I saw that. Yeah, right. Having the vivid recollection is more convincing than I just know I saw it. Yeah. And what's interesting is how we can express with such confidence that we're sure that we saw this thing, but yet we can't articulate where or when or under what circumstances. But our confidence level is still very high. Yeah. Every recollection of memory is a reconstruction of memory. Memories aren't stored fully formed as a packet somewhere in the brain. We have to piece things together. And of course, when you're pulling things out of different pockets, sometimes you pull out things that don't belong with other things, but they seem like they do because when we're recalling them, they seem like they go together because it's possible that they go together. Yeah. And in the future, you pull all that stuff together and now you get a vivid recollection, even though it's not something that you experienced or at least not something you experienced at the time. So in fact, you could begin, if you saw photos of something, if you saw movies of something, you could piece some of that together 
into your memory. You may put all of that together into the same memory and get a vivid recollection that still turns out to be not actually what you encountered. Up until, you know, relatively recently, eyewitness testimony in a court proceeding was like, that was it. I mean, if somebody had an eyewitness who actually saw this thing happen, there was an understandable but wrong interpretation. Well, then we don't need any other evidence because somebody actually witnessed this in real time. But we now know about the fallibility of human memory, especially as time passes and even being asked questions about an event that you've experienced in some ways changes the memory of the event itself. And so there are all kinds of ways that false memories without any kind of nefarious motives on anybody's part leak into somebody's memory store in a way that, again, they feel just as vivid and you're just as confident about them, even though they're decidedly wrong. We also feel like the more details that you experience as you recall the memory, the more likely it is that that memory is going to be accurate. That's not untrue. That is, in many circumstances, the more vivid the memory, the more likely it is that you are re-experiencing something that you had, in fact, encountered in the past. When it comes to situations in which the details really, really matter, the fact that you were able to recall something with extraordinary detail doesn't mean that every detail that came back to you was in fact something that you experienced in that moment. This is why we may get a false sense of overconfidence in the truth of the memory of, of an eyewitness. So it's in order for it to be valid, all of the details that someone talks about have to be True. It's not good enough if 90% of them are because the other 10% could be critical for yeah. whether you know a particular person is guilty of a crime. They're very confident and they really did experience something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every single detail is in fact one that we should trust. Yeah. What's in our heads already before the experience is also going to affect, in sometimes profound ways, what we perceive in the experience. Brains are prediction machines, and we get better at predicting the more good stuff we have in our memory. But sometimes stuff we have in our memory leads us to see things that actually aren't there or to not see things that are there because of what our expectations set us up to perceive, right? And and so it's not just a matter of how memories might change after the fact, but it's what's possible to perceive in the moment based on what's already in your memory. Next time, we'll talk about joy with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show or any of our archive shows at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our engineers are David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and I co-produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. 